you know, with uh, with Wi-Fi 6E, um, 8 or 11 AX on 6 gigahertz, um, you know, suddenly it becomes, I think, practical to start talking about, you know, really big throughput numbers for Wi-Fi. And wanted to touch on kind of what those are and, and a little bit of how to get there. Um, and uh, so let's begin. Well, um, this, this screen is kind of the bottom of the OFDM 802.11ax modulation rate, data rate table. Um, lifted from mcsindex.com. If you don't know about it, it's it's a great resource. It has the table that shows all of the Wi-Fi data rates and how to get there. Um, and I thought that would be a good place to start whenever we wanted to talk about how fast is fast. Uh, and if you look down in the lower right corner uh, with the red circle, um, we can see that on a 160 megahertz channel, 1024 QAM, 5 coding, that'll get us all the way up to 9.6 gigabits, not megabits, but gigabits per second over the air. Uh, and that should easily put five gigabits per second of, of real TCP throughput available, um, which I think is, is really fast. And realize that we're really talking about the AP end here. Um, with that, um, clients are going to support a bit less, and and we'll get to that. And really, we're mostly talking about uh, one client and one access point. Obviously, when you have a building full, it starts to complicate things a little bit. Um, any thoughts on that, Dave? I agree with you that 9.6 gigabits per second is really, really fast. <laughs> so really I'm sure that, yeah, a lot of people are probably thinking along the lines, wait a second. I know I've been looking, uh, I ran speedtest.net and I got like uh, 100 megabits per second or something like that. And so yeah. that, that's a good point. That's a lot slower. Uh, but I think that as, you know, Mike goes through these slides, you know, we'll be bringing up some of these things that, you know, uh, while, yes, the Wi-Fi can go really, really fast, things that you want to look for and things to be concerned about. Yeah. I actually want to get a couple of eight stream access points and see how they do in bridge mode. Uh, I think that would be, be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Now, you'll notice on here that, that these this table has different guard intervals um, on it. And for the rest of the presentation, I've, I've really kind of ignored that just to simplify things a little bit. So we'll be talking about spatial streams, modulation, a little bit about coding, uh, and then the, the channel width. So moving ahead. Um, if we want to go fast, there are really three things that we have to look at more spatial streams, um, and those are really straightforward. Uh, two spatial streams is twice as fast as one, three is three times as fast, four is four times as fast, and so forth. So that's that's really straightforward, and, and they really do add that way. Um, not all environments are going to support a lot of spatial streams. You need 
need a certain amount of multipath in the environment for, for a lot of spatial streams to work. They're not going to work in vast empty spaces or outdoors very well. Uh, but in an office environment or a home environment, um, multiple spatial streams really do work and they really do add just that way. Um, the second way to get higher data rates is move to wider channels. Um, and that also works just about as simply as it sounds. You know, 40 meg uh, channels are, are twice as fast as 20 and 80 or four times as fast and so forth. Um, I know that we've talked on other presentations about wider channels and, you know, how those are problematic because we run out of spectrum in 5 gig. Um, with 6 gigahertz opening up and, and equipment is now shipping for 6 gigahertz, uh, a lot of those concerns are relieved. Um, and in fact, wider channels, I'm saying 2x um, for every doubling, it's actually a little bit better than twice as fast, but you know, in round numbers, twice as fast. Uh, and then finally, um, we can do what we always have done and we can use uh, a more complex modulation encoding scheme. Uh, so we can move from 16 QAM to 64 and 256 and 1024, uh, and those are gonna add uh, throughput as well. Um, I think that's that really covers sort of the physical layer, um, physical layer ways to go fast, but there are some other things that really matter on efficiency that, that we're not gonna talk about on this. Um, and Dave knows a lot more about those, but we're talking about um, you know, anything that, that does frame aggregation or block acts or, or really any way to combine data into a, a single frame because the, the preamble part of a, a frame is huge and slow. Um, and that's really a, a major part of, uh, of why the later protocols are faster. It, it isn't just that we've got more streams and wider channels. Uh, and more complex modulation. Uh, we've also got a more efficient protocol, but once again, we're not gonna not gonna touch on that too much on on this. Um, anything I've missed on on the slide, Dave? Well, I think the things that uh, you're discussing, I'm I'm assuming that most people know this, but in case you're you're not, that I kind of figure to talk about that when we were looking at that previous slide with the data rates and now into here that um, with Wi-Fi, a lot of times people like to talk about the radio, that data rate for the radio. And we've had some other webinars that, that talked about this, is that, well, what about your actual throughput that a user would see? For instance, if I was doing a file transfer, you know, how long should I expect that to, to take? And um, that wireless is different than typically like ethernet wired. Uh, and, or that's when you're wired, that raw data rate is pretty close to what the user is going to see. But when you're wireless, that's, uh, that is not the case, uh, that you end up having to see. And that's actually, if I go on to my sound signal commercial <laughs> type of thing, when Dad was talking about the different ways that we look at things, you know, we can show you, well, this is what 
you can kind of see as far as uh, real user throughput versus here's the raw radio data rate. Uh, so so that uh, one of the questions had to do with, uh, you know, if, are there any uh, rule of thumbs? Uh, and the rule of thumb that it seems like 82.11 and Wi-Fi is that always kind of been able to achieve is that when you look at the, the raw data rate, if you're doing a um, something like a FTP or file transfer, you could kind of get into about half of that. Uh, and that's just a rule of thumb. There's a lot of different models, as, uh, just as Mike had that chart up there with all those numbers and stuff that would, if you actually wanted to model it, you'd have to kind of come up with these huge models and say, exactly how are you doing this? But if as a general rule of thumb, it's about half of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and with 802.11g, half was almost exactly right most of the time. A 54 meg connection would put you in the mid 20s throughput wise. Um, AC and AX do a little bit better. Uh, I still tend to use 2x uh, or, or you know, half, I guess, the over-the-air data rate is a pretty good estimate for, for TCP, but the efficiency is improving a little bit, and, and usually you can do a little better than that, but yeah, I use half as well. Um, so let's kind of step through and, and say a few words about each of these. Um, you know, there's, I think, not a lot to say about more spatial streams. There are almost unequivocally good there there really are, are very few cons um i got a, a few notes in here uh, if you remember 802.11n um it came out with first first protocol with um, multiple streams and it supported four ac and ax uh, up to eight uh and what i found and it isn't universal but most 802.11n and 802.11ac access points support four spatial streams. There's a handful that support support eight, um, AC access points that support eight, but four for the most part. Um, I did a little bit of browsing through some of the manufacturers' websites, uh, and it looks like we're probably gonna end up with kind of the premium enterprise APs are mostly gonna support eight streams. I think it, it's what it looks like most of the manufacturers are coming out with. Um, and I did a quick check on Newegg. Um, no special reason for Newegg. It was just a link that I had handy. Um, and I checked on the Editor 11 AX client adapters that they're selling. And all of them support two spatial streams. I didn't find any that supported one or three or four. Uh, they all supported two. Um, I'm not definitely not going to say that, that there are no others. Um, but I actually think that, that that's pretty good. There were a lot and are a lot of uh, 802.11n and 802.11ac client adapters that are, are single stream, uh, and they are, are usually pretty bad, uh, you know. <laughs> um, and, and those two spatial streams at, at uh, 160 megahertz wide channels support 2.4 gigabit over-the-air modulation, so they're easily capable of gigabit TCP throughput. Um, what do you think, Dave? How do you like those porcupine APs? <laughs> yeah, I do like all the antennas. Is it the, uh, 
uh, sticking out. Uh, well, that's a guarantee oh, so that, you know, birds don't land on there. <laughs> <It's outdoors. laughs> the, uh, so now I think the, the other kind of thing is, uh, you know, Mike kind of mentioned that that chart, that chart uh, where we kind of started, that was for eight special streams. But now we're yeah, kind of hey, if you actually looked at it, that's uh, the, the clients, uh, most, you know, everything kind of seen out there, they're just kind of following along the lines of AC and uh, 11N that there's uh, two special streams. You'll see that there's, you know, maybe there's other clients that might uh, support three. Um, if you do come across something, some client card that supports eight, let us know. <laughs> We'd be interested in knowing about that. Uh, it's always kind of interesting. Uh, to see the number of streams that a client card could, but a lot. Of, so this is kind of the part of the things that I think would be very useful to people is when you're looking at it, there is a big difference between two and three spatial streams. Uh, so, you know, if you end up getting something that's even more than that, obviously you're going to see that uh, boost in throughput. Uh, there are some also some things that have to do with the number of tenants that you have. Um, so, uh, you know, the, you know, how exactly that on the client card that they're going to have all those antennas that becomes a bit more of a challenge as well. Uh, all kind of interesting stuff there. Yeah, I, uh, I think so too. Um, and I know the question might come up, if the clients are only supporting two spatial streams, then why have access points that support eight? Uh, and really the reason there is um, MU-MIMO. Uh, they are going to multiplex up to four clients onto a single transmission. Uh, so it's, you know, that was a big push for AX really was efficiency. Um, and having a lot of special streams on the access points enables uh, you to support uh, more clients uh, using uh, MU-MIMO. And I think that's really the reason. Um, I did say that there's really no downside to special streams, more special streams. There are a couple. Um, one of them is cost. Obviously, the, the more special streams the radio card is going to support, it's, it's going to be more costly. Um, and the other is that it's going to use more power. Uh, and an access point, it may not matter um, until at least until you uh, start to exceed the power over Ethernet capabilities. In a client, that can matter a lot if it's a battery-powered device, a handheld device. Uh, running those extra spatial streams is battery and power intensive. So I think that's one of the reasons we don't see a lot of a lot of clients with a lot of spatial streams. Um, I lifted this chart from Broadcom's website, uh, and I think uh, Everybody's probably seen this one. This shows the breakdown of 204080 and 160 megahertz channels in 5 gig and in 6 gig. Um, and usually, uh, at least before the 6 gig part was added, we would use this to show, you know, there's only um, 260 megahertz channels uh, and there are only six 80 megahertz channels. So it becomes challenging in an enterprise environment to use those wide channels without the access points stepping all over each other. Um, and so mostly in enterprise environments, we see 20 and 40 meg channels used in 5 gigahertz. Uh, 6 gigahertz changes things a little bit. Suddenly we have 
seven channels in 160 megahertz and 14 and 80. Um, I don't think that in big open environments, 160 is still going to be super practical. Um, I think it will be in uh, smaller environments, uh, you know, smaller buildings where you have a little less channel reuse, uh, and, and environments where you have a lot more walls rather than big open environments. But at 14 channels, 80 megahertz, uh, I think that's going to be very commonly used in six gigahertz. Uh, I really do. Uh, with probably 40s and 20s being reserved for, uh, oh, maybe things like uh, sporting arenas where you've got a lot of access points and uh, you're essentially in a big open room. Uh, what do you think, Dave? Does that sound on point or you think I missed that? I think you're right on point. Part that we should probably talk about a little bit is since we do these webinars and some of them they kind of get into well, hey, those uh, 160 megahertz wide channels, you don't want to use those. <laughs> well, it, it, it really kind of depends. Uh, so with, with 7Signal, when we're talking about most of our customers, uh, we're not talking about somebody that has one access point at home. <laughs> they got like a couple of client cards. No, we're talking about you know enterprise users. We're talking about arenas. And so therefore, in those use cases, that's, yeah, we want to go to the uh smaller channels but that's not really the question about this webinar this webinar is more about well if you really did want to max it out you know what can you do uh so if you're at home and you've got a lot of space between your neighbors then you know if you've, and you've only got like uh uh one access point or maybe you've got a couple but you know if once you go to six gigahertz therefore that there's actually more 160 megahertz wide channels so therefore hey you actually can go and run it and when you want to max it out you know how can, how far can you go so in the home because a lot of times people will say well i know i could run blah blah that you know this really huge throughput well exactly how did you get there um you know are you at home with one access point yeah you can max that out carpeted office yep we kind of uh, you know admit that that's maybe not something that you'd want to do and that's actually kind of like what mike was saying as well uh, so therefore, but if you did want to max it out, yeah, go to 106 megahertz wide channels. Yeah, and and I do think, like I said, that that with six gigahertz and not in big environments, but even in in uh, smaller offices, medium sized offices, those those big channels will be practical. I mean, you know, we used to we used to make do with three channels and 2.4, and uh, it made the networks work. Um, so uh, not not an impossibility, I think. Um, moving on from spatial streams, talk a little bit about wider channels. Uh, and I know kind of at first glance, it sounds like, you know, the, the panacea, everything uh, moves to wider channels and it just goes faster. Uh, there are some downsides to that. The uh, first one of those is um, thermal noise, and that is the noise that the receiver generates internally. Um, just the, the atoms and the electrons bumping together uh, is going to uh, cause a certain amount of noise, and it's well characterized. Um, negative 174 dBm per hertz, 
at room temperature, and I think room temperature in this case is 300 Kelvin or about 80 Fahrenheit, oh, it put it in the chart, 80 Fahrenheit or 27 Celsius, so room warm temperature. Um, you add that up over a 20 megahertz channel and negative uh, 101 dBm, so not a whole lot of noise on a 20 megahertz channel, but as you start doubling those channels and doubling the noise that they're gonna hear, uh, it begins to add up. And at 160 megahertz, you're looking at negative 92 dBm of noise, purely internal to the radio, not counting anything external. Uh, so you're already starting behind a little bit. Um, also, and there is, there's really no escaping that. That's, that's just sort of the way the world works. Um, and all the other noise, anything external, the, you know, lightning and other radios and, you know, cosmic radiation, all of that doubles as well. Uh, it isn't, on five and six gigahertz, there isn't a lot of that. Um, but yeah, you're going to double that up. And if there's other radios nearby, you're going to double up the noise you hear from, from those as well. Um, and just to, since I put down there's no escaping it, I actually went and found a, uh, a picture, this, this kind of plumber's nightmare over here in the lower right. Uh, I lifted that from a NASA website. It's uh, part of a receiver on their deep space network that they use to communicate with Voyager and then those other outer solar system probes. Um, and they actually cool the front end of that radio receiver to just a few degrees above absolute zero uh, with liquid helium to reduce that noise uh, to help pick out those very weak signals from the probes from, from deep space. And I kind of thought that was, was kind of super cool. So I stuck a picture of that in there. Um, so uh, we'll come back and see if there's there's any questions on this? I think it's kind of an interesting subject. Uh, any thoughts on that one, Dave? I really, I really liked your slides, Mike. Especially like this one, and these, you know, some of these ones around here. Because uh, a lot of times people would just kind of like say, "Well, you know, all things being equal, so do you just divide it up?" You know, it's like, "Oh, okay, so instead of 40, you're doing 20." No, there's actually, it's kind of two things to keep in mind as you kind of go through the narrower channel. Uh, then the, the noise floor is, is going to be lower. And as you go to a wider channel, that yes, things do work. You can get uh, these data rates, but you have to kind of keep these things in mind uh, that you're, you're um, that, that since that, uh, that noise floor is starting to come up on you. And also we're talking about, you know, where exactly are you? Are you, you know, out in the field off <laughs> on your own? Uh, or do you have neighbors next to you? Uh, that that's going to make a big difference. That if you are in a carpeted office and there's uh, somebody right next to you in, in the same building, that's going to raise your noise floor. Uh, and so therefore, uh, those are the types of things that, you know, why you might not achieve the, these types of throughputs. But uh, I, I definitely like uh, this, this slide here, uh, kind of showing you that, guys, you can achieve it, but keep in mind that, you know, basically your ranges are going to come down uh, because of this. Yeah, and uh, you know, like uh, like you mentioned, it isn't just 
that internal thermal noise that doubles up every time. It's, you know, all the other, your neighbors and stuff, you're hearing uh, twice as many of those when you double your, your channel as well. And so you've got twice as much noise. Uh, not overwhelming, but you are walking uphill. Um, the, the third thing that we talked about was <clears throat> using more complex modulation using denser coding rates. Um, and really the key thing that you need to be able to decode those higher rates is a certain signal to noise ratio. Um, I did a little bit of research and actually lifted this table from a, um, I think it was from a Comcast uh, technical paper. Um, but I checked it against several other sources, and um, it varies by about 3 dB, but it, nobody seems to vary on, on an exact pattern. So I think these numbers for SNR are really close. Um, and, uh, you know, something that I do want to mention here, since I think maybe a lot of people don't really understand the code rate column, they, they maybe understand the modulation and how we're using a more complex symbol that carries more bits in each symbol uh, with the higher modulation rates. But I don't think the coding rate is is very well explained in, in most documentation. And you know it's it's really pretty straightforward. It's how many bits of data are included in a code string. So for one over two, that's half, actually. Uh, it means that half of the bits that you're transmitting are actual data. The other half are part of an error correction algorithm. Uh, so those that use low coding rates are very robust. They can withstand a lot of errors, and you can still decode those, those packets, those symbols. Uh, as you move up to three quarters and five sixths. That means, you know, three out of four or five out of six bits in your stream are actually data. So there's very little error correction built in and it makes those links a little bit more brittle whenever you're using those really high code rates. And they therefore require a little more SNR. Uh, as well as of course the modulation rate. Uh, as you move to more and more complex modulation rates, you need more SNR, you need a cleaner signal. Um, and over on the right, uh, there's a graph which kind of goes in the wrong direction, I think, but uh, it shows that, you know, for MCS0 there in blue on the left, you're going to need uh, 5 dB or a little less to decode that, and it moves across to MCS11, uh, 1024 qualm, where you're going to need you know, neighborhood of 3435 um, SNR to be able to decode those packets. And that's, uh, like I said, the data tables don't match up exactly. And uh, I found a lot of data tables. Most of them are really close, uh, three or four dB off from each other, but not generally in a pattern. Um, so I think this is, this is probably really accurate. Um, anything to say about complex modulation and coding, Dave? Well, I do. Uh, there's another table that I really liked was this SNR table that the uh, 
because one of the things that you might hear is, uh, oh, these higher data rates, you can't really achieve them. It's, not, it's like, well, actually, you can. It, it kind of depends on what's your use case. That, you know, are you, does your access points in the basement on the far end of the house and you're on the other side of the house? Or is your access point at home, like in your office, and you happen to be in the, in the office as well? There's a conference room and the, the access point is in the conference room and there's some people that are in the conference room. In those cases that, yes, you could get that SNR. Um, now, I would agree though that if it's the other case of you're in a carpeted office and you're in a conference room and the access point is outside of the conference room, then you know, you're, you're, you're probably not gonna be able to meet that SNR. Uh, but uh, this does kind of show that uh, these uh, try to, you know, is it possible? Yes, you can achieve some of these higher uh, data rates, uh, really, really, really high data rates. 30-something SNR is not unreasonable at all. Um, very achievable. Even, even walking uphill against the uh, noise on a wider channel, those are, are entirely achievable, I think. Um, so I'm going to bring it all together here a little bit. I'm going to take our SNR column and going to take our uh, noise column from the others and add them all together. Um, and we're still on this table talking about a perfect radio that has, you know, no other internal noise uh, beyond uh, the thermal noise that you can't avoid. Um, and that's not really real. So uh, I went down and I added 3 dB. Uh, of noise into things to kind of make it a little bit realistic. And I did this without checking any of the manufacturer's tables. Um, and then whenever I finished, I looked up uh, one of Cisco's access points, the 9130, and checked that those, uh, that bottom column, the 1024 QAM, 5.6, you know, 160 megahertz. And sure enough, my table matched theirs and I was very relieved that my math was correct. Um, so uh, I've circled a couple of uh, a couple of values here. Um, the first one up on the, uh, the upper left one, um, 256 qualm, 20 or 40 megahertz channels, basically what we're used to up until uh, very recently. Um, and you'll need upper neg 60s, neg 70 to decode those. And, you know, for those where most people are doing, I think, negative 65 uh, dBm surveys. So that matches up pretty well with that. Uh, if we move to AX um, and we start looking at 1024 QAM, and we start looking at 80 and 160 megahertz channels, uh, those numbers get a lot bigger. Uh, instead of, you know, upper neg 60s, we're looking at mid to upper neg 50s. So, you know, let's call it 10 dB more signal. And uh, that's a lot more signal. It's definitely achievable. Uh, there's no reason that you can't get into the mid neg 50s uh, at all, but you're not going to do it through very many walls. What do you think, Dave? Well, I think you hit on a really good point about site surveys. Uh, 
and all you have to do is kind of look at that bottom line there is that you know if the minus, if the target is minus 65 then yeah you're not you know even all things being equal you're not going to really reach those higher rates there uh, so that would be something else to kind of like think about as far as deployments but you'll still be you know running with uh, very high data rates uh, so um, I, I like this slide as well kind of bringing everything together yeah we don't want very high data rates we want to go fast <laughs> All right, next slide. I actually pulled, uh, uh, I went and found a customer that that had a couple of access points in the same room uh, with the same um, Sapphire Eyes, our sensor. Uh, and one thing that it does whenever it's doing its throughput test is it records the over-the-air data rates. So I found two access points off of the same sensor uh, in a big room and uh, about 10 dB apart, since that's sort of the order of magnitude that we're looking at. Um, the one in, in red here at negative 53 dBm, and you know that, that brings us easily up to, to here, and it might be the sort of number that you might survey for for a 160 megahertz 1024 QAM network. So we're in the in the ballpark for that. Uh, unfortunately, this was just a 20 megahertz uh, wide site, but I think it'll it'll serve the purpose. Uh, and we can see that basically in red here, um, you know, over 90% of the traffic is going at the highest modulation rate. Once again, AC, not AX, and and so forth. But as we would expect. It, it's slammed up against as fast as it'll go. But if we back off just 10 dB, 9 dB, um, and we're still better than a negative 65 survey, look in yellow what happens to the actual data rates. And this is averaged over a week. So, you know, this is a, this is a really good long-term term average here. We can see that, you know, instead of being up at MCS 9, all the time. Suddenly, we're down at, what is that, MCS5 most of the time. Some of the packets are a little better, but there's a big uh, a big fall off. Uh, even whenever we're at the, you know, better than negative 65 that a lot of people survey for, isn't enough to really max out the radios. So uh, I wanted to put this in here to speak to you know, the, that you really do, if we're going to do these 1024 QAM networks and we're going to do them on wide channels, um, even looking at older technology, it's clear that we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to have a lot of signal. Uh, what do you think, Dave? Uh, I, I agree. This kind of uh, does a good uh, job of highlighting that the, uh, you know, these, it's not, something that's un, unachievable that you, you can't actually uh, reach some of these da data rates uh, with the, these uh, types of signal strength and uh, SNRs. Yeah, but you don't have to fall off much before you're not there. Yeah. And as I said, these were in the same room. So uh, it's, it's very much an identical environment. Um, <clears throat> kind of 
hitting our wrap-up slide here. And if you remember back on the first slide, we kind of said that that fast was two gigs. So I wanted to go back and look at well, what does it actually take to to get to that two gig number? Um, and spatial streams, that's easy. Uh, two is the best we're going to do with most client adapters. There may be some three. Uh, there may be some four. If you're building a machine that's got to have really high Wi-Fi throughput, maybe you want to find an access point radio card and, and put it in there and, instead of really a, a client card. Um, but basically, two is as good as we're going to do. Um, if we look at channel width, 80 megahertz tops out at, I think it's 1201 megabits per second, 1 1.2 gigabits per second on two streams. So that pushes us to 160 megahertz if we want to hit that two gig over the air. Um, and then even with two streams, 160 megahertz channels, we're still going to need MCS 10 or 11 to hit that two gigabit number. If we if we fall down to MCS 9, uh, I don't have the table in front of me, but that that does not do it. So if we look back to our, our table and we remember no external interference was figured in. So we're completely clear channel. Everything's working right. The wind's at your back. You're gonna need somewhere in the neighborhood of negative 58 if you want to achieve that two gigabit over the air and you know truly that's an arbitrary number i picked it really because i figured fast is more than a gigabit of real throughput user layer throughput and that's going to take two gig over the air or pretty close to it um, so somewhat arbitrary uh, but that's how i that's how i got that two gig number um, and then everything else just sort of falls out from that. Um, and I hope you'll forgive me for walking you through all of those slides to get to what is essentially the receive sensitivity table that every manufacturer publishes. Um, but I hope it's a little more understandable now. And uh, I think that does it. Uh, Dave, did we get any questions? We did. Hey, Dan, uh, how much time do we have for, uh, for Q&A? Yeah, we're, we're right on time here, so which is you know toward the end of the broadcast. So we've probably got time for one or two questions, Dave. Okay, good. Uh, there was a one which I think is very pertinent, and uh, uh, Forrest kind of put this in here. I'll read this out because that uh, are there charts for recommended modulations at all for uh, choose based on factory with many machines, uh, library, warehouse, dense cardboard products, warehouses with all metal parts, fairgrounds, downtown, et cetera. Do you actually select those modulation schemes? I don't recall saying anything about the uh, uh, ubiquity router. This presentation that Mike was kind of going on about, it's really more about the peak. And the things that we, we kind of mentioned throughout is that those peaks will really be, uh, to achieve them, there's uh, like some things that you'd want to keep in mind. It's really that, you know, if, say for instance, you're doing some gaming at home. You're gaming at home, sure. You know, you, you've got one access point, so you can kind of get that. We were talking about the, uh, you know, like the signal strength, if you're using wider channels. Some of our other webinars, we kind of 
mentioned not doing the wider channels just so that you because in the carpeted office you would need those channels uh, so would that really apply to things like uh, like a factory automation type of thing that's where you know you're really not going to kind of go off with those types of channels so i don't know if any guides for those uh, but that you could definitely see that with this chart that we're kind of focusing on it from a perspective of uh, getting like the highest throughput. You could also kind of look at it from the other perspective and say, okay, I'm really more interested in, you know, what is my actual throughput? Um, the other thing to keep in mind is Mike has kind of mentioned, you know, trying to get up to like a gigabit of um, throughput. You know, where exactly is your traffic going? You know, is, is your uh, traffic going out to the internet? Uh, and, you know, what does that pipe look like? Is is that a gigabit? At my house, I, I don't have a gigabit at my house. So that's uh, definitely, there's some limitations that come in from other places that are uh, imposed. Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a gigabit either, Dave. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think on the difficult environments, we'll just kind of lump it all together. Uh, you really want to be looking at the other end of the chart. Um, you know, you you don't want to walk uphill against uh, more interference. Uh, you know, so that's going to push you to narrower channels uh, instead of wider channels. Um, you know, fortunately, in a lot of those difficult environments, they're usually not very user dense. So something like a a warehouse may very well have many more access points than it has users. Um, so in that case, you don't have nearly as much worry about um, interfering with yourself because, yeah, there's a lot of access points, but there's not a lot of traffic on most of them. So uh, you really start looking at the, the other end of the table um, and, and look, you know, not at kind of how fast can I go and you know maybe I want to support a VR headset or you know maybe I want to stream high resolution video over a Wi-Fi link or something like that you you really more are usually looking at the other end of the table where you know I want to send the user a you know a location to go to and a product to get and he's going to scan a barcode and that's what's going to come back uh, where you know for the most part those applications and there's always exceptions but those are generally lower throughput applications, and usually you're going to want to look at making it very robust rather than very fast. So lower channel widths, lower modulation rates, lower coding rates. And I'm not suggesting you turn off the higher rates. Um, you know, use it if, if you can achieve it, but you should really probably design around uh, uh, lower performance system where performance means throughput, uh, you know, lower performance, higher reliability. Um, do we have time for another one, guys? Or? Well, I was just going to agree with you, Mike, that I think that the guidance that I would give is take a look at your use case. Uh, kind, of, kind of like the question about the factory automation. Factory automation is like, well, what exactly are you using that for? what type of throughput do you actually need for it as you as mike you just kind of mentioned yeah i know that they, these barcode scanners it's like you know if you get like a megabit that is plenty sufficient for what you're using uh and so you don't really need like it could be really what you need is the stability now in yeah. your factory automation maybe what you're doing 
is you've got something that's rolling past you and you need to do a software update of some component. And so therefore you might need like a tremendous amount of throughput. So in that case, maybe it does make sense for you to run um, maybe something like a much wider channel than normal. Uh, but my general guidance is look at your use case for these types of, especially manufacturing and so forth, uh, and, and then figure out uh, where exactly you want to be, at, you know, with your uh, channel widths and so forth. Yeah, and I, I kind of know where that one came from, Dave, because we actually we do have a customer that that updates software and devices over over wireless as they're being packaged up and tested and packaged and. You know, our recommendation there was, you know, for that area of the warehouse, yeah, it gets, you know, big fat channels uh, and it gets those channels reserved so they're not anywhere else. And really the rest of the warehouse gets, you know, a much milder system. Um, so, you know, with a little bit of planning, you can, you can have both. <laughs> There, there were some questions about uh, multi-user MIMO. I think that there's, and then there's also, we, we talked a little bit about this as AX is for the high efficiency. And so that there's, that gets into the multi-user MIMO, the uh, OFDMA. I think that that's, that's a big, quite a big topic. Uh, so that's why I kind of <laughs> went past those. Uh, the, uh, I I thought about talking about OFDMA, OFDMA a little bit, and and uh, I decided that was just too big a topic. And maybe we'll give it its own webinar. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That that deserves its own webinar. Yeah, I'll let you do it, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mike to do that. No, actually, I think uh, Jim Vada did one uh, on OFDMA uh, a, a couple months back, but maybe it could use an update. Um, so I'll I'll look at that and get it on our radar.